Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Got a news show for you this week. Got all sorts of interesting topics to cover uh, and some things to warn you about. We're going to talk about a really clever Facebook phishing scheme that would even fool a seasoned pro if you're not careful. Uh, we're talking about this nice feature coming to Google's Chrome that will help warn users when they're visiting lookalike websites, which are probably not... Uh, not the site they meant to go to, which could lead to some phishing attacks. We're going to talk about how Apple is cracking down on some apps that were recently recorded uh, as, or recently reported as, recording users' screen sessions without properly warning them. Uh, and we're going to talk about an Android hack that will basically allow bad guys to take control of your phone just by loading a malicious image. Uh, I have a little interesting tidbit about dating apps. And uh, finally, we're going to wrap up with a story about uh, how the EU, EU, the European Union, has recalled some children's smartwatches uh, for some really horrific security flaws. And that will lead into our tip of the week. So without further ado, let's get into the news of the week. All right, I ran across this on Twitter, and uh, it's really clever. Uh, there's a new hacking attack or a phishing attack based on the sign-in with Google technique and you've seen this all a lot of places now you go to a website and they want you to create an account but if you don't want to create an account sometimes they will offer you to sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google and from a security standpoint if this is done properly it, it's actually plenty secure basically what they're saying is you know as a website I don't want to bother trying to keep track of and uh, my users and all their passwords and do all that authentication stuff, I'm going to reach out to Google or Facebook, make an agreement with them, and let them handle all that for me. And then what, what basically happens behind the scenes when you sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google is that you get redirected, either obviously or sometimes just kind of behind the scenes, uh, to log into one of those two services and then Google or Facebook basically vouches for you and sends like a token of some sort to the site you're actually trying to log into. And they use that as your authentication token. So basically, you have gotten, they've offloaded the whole authentication stuff to Facebook or Google. And like I said, when done properly, it's, it's secure in the sense that, uh, you know, as long as you've got a good secure password for Facebook and or Google, how, whichever of these services you're using, uh, this mechanism by which they can log you into another website is secure. But privacy and security are not the same thing. And so you also must realize that whenever you do this, you are creating a link overtly between whatever site it is you're actually trying to get into and Facebook or Google. And, you know, I'm sure buried somewhere in all the terms of service, it tells you exactly, well, and Exactly. It might be a strong word. It tells you in some sort of legalese what this relationship is and what information that they might share between them. But you should just basically assume that if you ever sign into a website with Google or Facebook, that they are communicating everything you're doing back and forth between the two. Certainly, you know, if you're going to this website that you sign into, they are certainly sharing that information. At the very least, Google and Facebook know every time you log in, log out and on these websites and probably what you're doing on those sites, too. So, which is a great, it's a great thing for Facebook and Google. They get to hoover up even more data about you. And it's a great thing for the other website because now they don't have to worry about dealing with saving passwords and maybe trying to protect those passwords and failing and being the victim uh, of a data breach. Anyway, so <laughs> now coming back to the news story, uh, there's this new 
phishing attack, which is really, really well done. And you go to the site, you, you go to this malicious site, and you click on log in with Facebook or log in with Google, and it pops up um, a little dialog box, like a little login box, like you would expect. And here's the thing. This window looks so legitimate. It looks so good. It looks like a little web window. At the top, it's got, you know, a green lock icon and a green HTTPS colon www.facebook.com. And if you look really closely, it actually says facebook.com. It's not a misspelling. It's not some other weird site that's facebook.imnotreallyfacebook.com or, you know, some weird thing like that. It looks completely legitimate. It looks just like a Facebook login page. The only problem is it's not. So how in the world are you supposed to tell the difference? Here's what here's the deal. So what the, the article I read, what they actually said is unlike a regular dialogue pop-up box that it, you know, a real pop-up window, if you were to click on that window, the, you know, the header title bar and drag that window around, if you want to move it around your computer screen, you can move it anywhere. Well, it turns out that this is a fake one. It's not real. That, that address at the top of the green like lock icon and everything, that's all fake. That's not actually an address. It's not actually a web browser page. It's not actually a browser address. So that's all fake. And it, this little dialog box is actually an image, a movable image generated by the website itself. So if you start dragging this around, you'll notice that that window can't go past the edge of your browser. So like if you try to scroll it off, you know, take it off to the side so you can still see the browser page and log into the form, it won't work. You, you can't drag it that far because that's actually a part of the web page itself. It's, they've done some clever HTML and CSS magic to make this look like a pop-up dialogue when in actuality it's not. That's complicated. And <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and recommend to every one of you that every time you get a dialogue pop-up box from a web web browser, you say, oh, hey, can I drag this everywhere on my screen? Oh, that it must be legit. First of all, that's not true. <laughs> Second, uh, you know, I, I would expect anybody to do that. But here's the here's the kicker. And here's what here's where all the advice I've given you in the past comes into play. If you're logging in and you're using LastPass or 1Password or one of these password managers that has a plugin for your web browser, if you're on the actual site, it will offer to fill in that for you. It, you know, depending on the plugin, how it works, like LastPass gives you that little, you know, little gray dot 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 icon in the far right of the form field. Uh, and if there's, if you have, uh, if you have this site in your vault, it'll have a little one on it, or maybe two if you've got more than one account for this page. It's got a little number there indicating that you've got an account in here, and if you click that, it'll fill in your ID. This is not a regular web page. This is not actually you're not actually on the Facebook site. So your browser plugin for your LastPass or 1Password or whatever your password manager is, or your browser itself, will not offer to fill that in for you because you're not on that website. So that's another great reason for using a password manager. Sites like this look alike websites, which we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, and this these sorts of phishing attacks won't work because if you take the time to notice that, that your LastPass plugin or whatever is not offering to fill in the password for you, then that should be a big red flag that you're not actually on that website. And if you use a password manager and you've created long, crazy passwords that you can't possibly remember, then the only way you're going to fill that in is with a password manager. So again, it's not like you can even forget and just manually enter that password because you don't know your passwords anymore if you're using a password manager. You have to use the password manager. And if the password manager isn't offering to fill it in, then you're probably not where you think you are. 
All right, speaking of looking like lookalike websites, Chrome, and I'm surprised Firefox hasn't done this. My guess is they'll copy this at some point. Um, both these browsers, all browsers, are doing their best to help you out wherever possible. And these are some obvious ways they could be doing that. So uh, Chrome is going to start um, popping up warnings about lookalike websites. And, and let me just read a little bit from this article from Bleeping Computer. Google is adding a new feature to Google Chrome that will warn users about similar or lookalike URLs, that's URL, uh, Universe Resource Locator, or web addresses, URLs that a user may visit thinking they are going to the normal site. This feature is designed to warn users when they visit typo squatting domains, IDN homograph Unicode attacks, scams, and phishing sites. I'll explain that in a minute. In the current Canary builds of Chrome 74, a new experimental feature has been added that will alert users that they are visiting a, 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 an URL that may be pretending to be or acting as a lookalike to a legitimate URL. For example, URLs like appl3.com, which looks kind of like an E in Apple, apple.com, uh, twitter.com, T-W-1-T-T-E-R, I've also seen that T-V-V-I-T-T-E-R, uh, or Microsoft.com worth a one instead of the I, M1, C-R-O-S-O-S-T. When users go to these URLs, Chrome will display a warning under the address bar stating, did you mean to go to blank? And they'll give their, what, their, the more likely URL. For example, you can see that when we tried to go to Apple.com with the E3 instead of an E, APP3.com, it says, did you mean to go to HTTP colon slash slash Apple.com? A new Chromium Garrett post indicates that these lookalike warnings may be moved to their very own browser interstitial instead. Chrome uses interstitial pages to display warnings to users before they actually visit the requested site. All right, so let me back up and uh, define a few of these things. So typo squatting is really the kind of the colloquial term for finding, you know, if someone has twitter.com, T-W-I-T-T-E-R.com, somebody registers the domain name, T-V-V-I-T-T-E-R, because V-V right next to each other looks a lot like a W, um, and hopes that people will type it wrong, or maybe they'll they'll see this URL on some other web page and click it and think they're going to Twitter when they're not. And I guess, you know, really, I guess in the typo squatting really uses somebody who mistypes something. So, you know, find a common misspelling of something. And it may not be that people don't know how to spell the word. It may be that the keys are close to each other on the keyboard. So, you know, people uh, tend to mistype. Um, not because they don't know how to spell it, because their fingers, they fat fingered it and they hit the wrong key. Uh, and they would register those domains. And because they're much less common and people don't go to them very often, Google knows, you know, tons and tons and millions of people go to apple.com, but almost nobody ever goes to appl3.com. And that's when they would pop this warning up and say, hey, wait a minute, are you sure that you really, this is what you meant to do? Which is great, actually. This is this is a good security feature. It's a nice warning. And the whole interstitial thing, uh, oh, let me back up. It also talked about an IDN homograph, Unicode, IDN homograph Unicode attack. And I think that's what we talked about before with, it's also called Punicode, uh, where your web browser, and trying to be nice, uh, likes to show you web addresses the way that you're used to looking at them. So if you ha if you're from Russia, and you're have the your alphabet is Cyrillic, uh, or if you're in one of the many Asian countries that have a completely different alphabet than the uh, than the U.S. English alphabet we're used to, the Latin character set, there's a lot of a lot of letters that look the same. In fact, there are some that look absolutely identical. Um, if you're looking at the Greek alpha, um, it looks like a lowercase a. 
for example. So you can use these other letters and make it look almost exactly the same, indistinguishable to the human eye. Uh, when under the covers, it's actually a different character. And some web browsers you can you can train to show you the right address. And we talked about this a while back. Um, if you want, you can just Google um, uh, puny code, P-U-N-Y-C-O-D-E, and learn how to turn that off for your browser. And I'm, there should be a setting for that. Uh, so instead of showing you the pretty version that unfortunately is fooling you, you can get the ugly version, which will look nothing like the original site. Uh, and again, back to the password manager thing, your password manager will not be fooled by this. So if you went to, you know, apple.com where the A in Apple was a uh, Greek letter alpha and not the regular Latin lowercase a, um, it would not be fooled. And it would not offer to fill in your, uh, your credentials. All right. So basically Chrome is trying to help with this. So they're, they're trying to pop up some warnings. And the interstitial thing is that's like, you know, you click on the link and instead of taking you to the site and then putting a little, you know, I actually, I've seen a, an image of what this looks like. It's just a very small thin pop or well, thin little note under the address bar saying, did you really mean to go here? It's actually not easy to see. Whereas the, this interstitial thing is you'll click on the link and before you even shows you the page, it'll be this big red warning saying, Hey, you click this link, but is this, is, is this really what you meant without even going to the website? That's actually the better way to do it. Um, so hopefully these protections are coming soon. And I, my guess is Firefox will copy this and do something similar. It's a, this is a great, this is a great next step and we need more things like this. All right, next up, uh, Apple is cracking down on some apps that are uh, trying to record what you're what you're doing on your screen, your screen session. Um, I ran across this in Mashable, so let me read a little quick bit from Mashable on this. The apps and online services you use sometimes gather your data and use it for analytics and advertising purposes. There's no question about that. It's a fact of life at this point. And it's only a matter of whether you've been asked permission, whether your data is used fairly and in accordance with the law, and whether it's transferred and stored securely. But a recent report by TechCrunch claims some popular iPhone apps fail on at least two counts. Apps from companies like Air Canada, Hollister, Expedia, and Hotels.com record everything you do on your phone's screen while you use them, often without asking for permissions. These apps, TechCrunch has found, use technology from a company called Glassbox, which creates a so-called session replay, letting app owners see exactly how their customers behave while using the app. On Thursday, Apple confirmed to TechCrunch that it has instructed makers of smartphone apps that are capable of surreptitiously recording a user's screen activity to either remove that feature from their code or properly disclose to users that their actions may be recorded. If they don't, apps risk apps risk being booted from the Apple Store. As you might imagine, such screen recordings not only have the potential to capture personal data users might not be inclined to share with a hotel app, but also could record information like passwords and credit card numbers. So this got a lot of attention, and rightly so, but I think it's it's key to understand that what they're really trying to do, what Glassbox is really trying to do here, is they're trying to offer feedback to app owners and they're what they're offering is when hey when someone brings your up your app wouldn't you like to know how they interact with your app how long do they look at it how do they scroll how long does it take them to hit that first button what order do they hit the buttons in? what menus do they look at um and with this technology which they offer this software that you can build into your app this glass box software that you can build into your app that gives you this capability and, you know, I, I completely understand why, you know, companies might want that. Unfortunately, uh, it's a privacy nightmare. And they are not, apparently, 
letting you know that this is possible. Now, I don't know for a fact that they're actually recording the screen images. It sounds actually like they are. It could just be in some cases that they're just recording the sequence of things that you do. Um, but in this case, it does actually sound like they're actually getting screenshots. Like they can actually, like when you have this app up, when you bring up hotels.com, hotels.com gets a vi- basically a video session recording of everything that you do while you have that app open. And, you know, again, I'm sure it's not necessarily used for nefarious purposes. They're trying to use it to improve their app. You know, maybe you move the buttons around and make it easier for people to use. That's all well and good. Um, But they're not warning people that what they're doing. And I'm sure that if a lot of people understood that that was a possibility with this app, they would opt out if they could or perhaps not even use the app. So... The real issue here, as typically is with these things these days, it's it's not transparent. They're not being forthcoming about what they're doing. Uh, and therefore, you don't have, they really don't have your consent to do these things. So Apple is rightly cracking down on these things. And hopefully these apps will, you know, so you may be starting to see some pop-ups about these. Uh, and that's what that's about if you do. And then you'll need to make the decision if they, you know, if the response from these app makers is to put up a warning and then keep doing this screen recording thing, uh, you know, then you'll have to be aware that whenever you bring that app up, they can see whatever you type, whatever you do, and record that. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the other mobile operating system, uh, Android, and uh, an article that I just saw recently in CSO Online, which is uh, Chief Security Officer is usually CSO, uh, CSO Online about how many Android phones today are vulnerable to being hacked, like remotely taking control over simply by loading a malicious image. Let me just read this quick paragraph from the the CSO Online article. It says, your Android could be pwned. We talked about that last week, pwned. uh, That's, you know, hacked, taken taken over, whatever. Your your Android could be pwned by simply viewing an innocent-looking image, be it from browsing the Internet or an image uh, received via text, according to the Android Security Bulletin issued this month. While this certainly doesn't apply to all images, Google discovered that a malicious, maliciously crafted PNG image could be used to hijack a wide variety of Androids, those running Android Nougat 7.0, Oreo 8.0, or even the latest Android OS Pi 9.0. So obviously that, that affects a lot that affects a lot of Android users. Um, and we've talked about this on the show before. The problem, the real issue with Android is that the updates take security updates, any kind of updates takes so long to get from Google, the owner and creator of Android, the you know the company that maintains the security of that software, to the actual people you know on your phone because it's got to go through the device manufacturers, it's got to go through the carrier, you know your whether it's T-Mobile or Sprint or Verizon or AT&T or Orange or you know pick your cell provider because there's so many people involved in this process and every one of those you know entities down this chain this this pipeline of uh, of companies each one of them has to vet and test all these changes so even with the best of intentions it just takes a long time to get these things out whereas apple like it or not who happens to own their whole ecosystem soup to nuts they own the software and the hardware in all cases and they have made arrangements a long time ago when uh, with you know the carriers and such that they have direct access to the software and there is no you know, there is no middleman. So whereas Apple can f- put security fixes out within, you know, days, um, Google can provide those fixes within days, but it could be weeks or even months and sometimes never uh, 
that those security updates get to Android users um, because either it's too old to be supported or because there's just all these things you have to go through to get it to you. Uh, it just takes too long. And weeks or, you know, even weeks in security um, security world is forever. I mean, think about this particular case. Uh, you've got an image, any old image, any old PNG image, and that's kind of like the modern JPEG. You've probably heard of JPEG. Um, PNG is another image format, and it's very, very popular and common today. Uh, if you send a malicious PNG image to somebody, you could completely remotely hack their phone. So I don't, I don't know what Android's going to do about this, but if you've got an Android phone, uh, be looking for those security updates and uh, update those as soon as humanly possible. I will say that if you know if you can't be convinced to go to an iPhone uh, and you must stay with Android, then you really should look at either the Google Direct, Google's phones themselves, the, the phones that are produced by Google, uh, or also the phones made by Essential. I don't know how good those phones are. Um, but those two models, according to a recent study I've seen, are the are the two that get their security and software updates the quickest. Uh, certainly the Google phones would because like, that would be the Apple situation where they own both the hardware and the software. Uh, and they can get those security updates right away. And, of course, those phones are a lot more expensive. So, you know, if the reason you're on an Android phone is because you think those phones are cheaper, if you really want the security and you're going to go for, you know, an essential phone or a Google phone, you're probably going to be right back in the same price ballpark as a as an uh, an Apple iPhone. So, you know, maybe maybe you should just think about getting an iPhone next time. All right, one more quick blurb before we get to our main story and our tip of the week. I, I ran across this. Um, I think this was Vox.com article about how almost all the major dating apps are owned by a single company. And from a privacy perspective, that certainly got my ears to perk up. So I thought I'd pass this along. To any of you folks out there who do use these apps, just to be aware uh, how much of your data may be all owned by a single company. Um, so Match Group is the name of the company, the the umbrella company, which obviously owns Match.com. Uh, turns out they also own Tinder, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, Our Time, Medic, with uh, M-E-E-T-I-C, Pairs, and Two, Two. T-W-O-O. I don't know. I don't use these apps. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, they just bought Hinge, which is apparently another popular app. I, this is not my scene, so I don't know. But I want, I, I'm sure some of you are familiar with these apps. So I just want to make sure I pass that on. The other odd thing I, I have to mention with this article is that, that this company also owns Princeton Review, um, which is college aptitude test company. So I thought that was kind of odd. But, you know, maybe those demographics all line up. And so maybe that makes sense for them. So anyway, I guess the point being that realize that maybe you use one or more of these apps and they're actually all owned by the same company and who knows what kind of you know information they're sharing behind the scenes. <sighs> I don't know. And I'm sure that's probably buried in their terms of service and it's probably not clear. But anyway, FYI. All right. Our last story has to do with uh, recall. And this is in the European Union. Uh but, it, you know, it's something we all should be aware of, and it's going to lead to my tip of the week. And that is, um, recall these children's uh, children's smartwatch. Uh, and basically, the security on this was just horrid, allowing not just the parents to track where their kids are, but really anybody to track where the kids are, which is, you know, it's bad enough when it's an adult. And, but when we're talking about kids, that's just terrifying. So uh, let me read. Uh, a little bit of this article from ThreatPost about this. It says, 
the European Commission has issued a recall for a popular smartwatch for children, citing serious privacy issues that could allow a bad actor to track or communicate with kids remotely. The issues exist in Safe Kid One, an IoT watch made by German company Enox Group, that allows parents to surveil their children using GPS uh, using a GPS map on a complimentary smartphone app. However, this mobile app accompanying the watch has unencrypted communications with its backend server, enabling unauthenticated access to data, according to the EU. Quote, as a consequence, the data such as location history, phone numbers, serial number can easily be retrieved and changed, according to the January recall. Uh, continuing to, to quote, uh, a malicious user can send commands to any watch, making it call another number of his choosing can communicate with the child wearing device or locate the child using GPS, unquote. Uh, according to them, the smartwatch has not been distributed in the U.S. or the U.K. I think those Iceland maybe was the country that found this. They've got a different article, and it goes on with a little bit more data. Um, so let me keep going. It says, while IoT device security issues have nothing new in uh, are nothing new to the InfoSec community, children's connected smartwatches Privacy problems are viewed as particularly insidious. Researchers at Pentest Partners recently found that Gator Kids GPS tracking watches were exposing sensitive data involving 35,000 children, including their location in real time. In November, the MissSafe's or MySafe's Kid Watcher GPS watch was found to have vulnerabilities that translate into a stalker or pedophile's ideal tool set. And it's not just smartwatches. After Cloud Pets, connected teddy bears were found to have exposed 2.2 million voice recordings between parents and their children in a significant data breach, Amazon, Target, and Walmart have pulled the toys from their online markets. Genesis Toys' My Friend Kayla doll, which was banned in Germany, and Mattel's Hello Barbie doll have also undergone major security issues. Okay, so that talks about not just the the, the one smartwatch, which was uh, a European product, but other, other several watches and other quote-unquote IoT devices for kids that just don't have proper security. And IoT is, is, is already a security nightmare. These things are cheap, low, low price margin devices where they just, security, if, if you're lucky, is, is an afterthought. And it's probably not a thought at all. You know, many of them probably claim to have military grade, you know, security, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's a common thing to throw on a box just because they happen to use one technology that, that is, you know, military-grade encryption, let's say. But if they don't implement it correctly, it doesn't matter. And so here's that leads to the tip of the week, and that tip of the week is really try to avoid giving any sort of an Internet-connected device to young children, you know, particularly if they've got cameras or microphones or location tracking. And I'm talking mostly toys or kid-oriented devices. Obviously, you're, you know, a lot of parents will give their kids their cell phone to play games on while they're riding on the bus or, you know, taking a long trip or sitting at the at a restaurant or something or, you know, the iPad or, or whatever. You know, that that's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about here is these, you know, take a take a quote unquote dumb device and make it smart and give it to kids. And you know, if they've got if they're connected to the internet at all, and if they're connected to the internet, they're probably doing something with that connection, you know, sending or receiving data. Uh, including, you know, potentially in some of these cases, location, that data could be used against your child and it's just not worth the risk. So uh, if somebody gives you a smart device for your, you know, for your kid and that, and you can use that device without 
connecting it to the internet, if it's got value, if it's, you know, if it does some cool stuff without having to be connected to the internet, then just don't connect it to the internet. Um, however, if, you know, the cool features of this toy requires that it be connected to your Wi-Fi, um, then, you know, I would seriously consider not, not giving people toys like that or using toys like that for young children. You know, at some point when they get older, you'll have to start making that call. At some point, they'll have a smartphone, and that's the most amazing tracking surveillance device ever known to man. So, you know, I guess the upside, though, of even a smartphone compared to some of these devices, these smart watches and, and whatever, is that the, the, the security and privacy for smartphones is generally much better. It's not good, and as we've seen, but it's generally much, much better than these, these toys uh, and other devices that, that where security is just not taken into account. And there's no accountability and there's no rating system yet for these kind of things. So, you know, as a consumer, it's really hard to tell. So, you know, at this point, all you can really say is, does it connect to the internet? Does it have a camera? Does it have a microphone? Does it have tracking capability? If it does, then uh, my recommendation is don't. Don't give those to young kids. Uh, you know, like I said, unless, you know, you can actually just not use it in that smart mode and not connect it to the internet and then it becomes a dumb device and then, you know, it doesn't really matter. All right, that's our show for the week. Uh, I've got a, that interesting AI interview hopefully coming up for you next week. Uh, stay tuned for that. I've got some other, you know, got some other requests out there for some other really interesting interviews. If you have any suggestions of topics you would like to cover or people you, you would like me to interview, uh, you can always contact me at Carrie at wawaseemedia.com. That's C-A-R-E-Y at W-A-W-A-S-E-E media.com. And I'm, I'll take suggestions at any time. So feel free to give me feedback about whatever you'd like. Congratulations once again to the winners of the Pod Centennial Contest. Uh, in many cases, those books are already on the way. Uh, the, the two international ones uh, may take me a little bit longer. Uh, but congratulations again to all those winners and hope you enjoy those books. And one more quick point, if you'd like to help me out in reaching more people uh, with the blog, the book, the podcast, uh, the newsletter, all these things do take time and effort and money, and it, uh, it does help to have some support. So if you'd like to help support in this effort, you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and look for Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Uh, you can find all the information there, and every little bit helps. So uh, if, you're, if you'd like to lend a hand and help me spread the word, that is one way you could do that. And other, otherwise, of course, you can just spread the word. Word of mouth is great. Uh, social media, uh, let other people know about these things. Um, the more people that know, the better off we all are. That's all for this week. Hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day, and I will see you again next week. And as always, stay safe out there, and don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Bye.